I think about that quite a lot, actually. I like my in what, what was I? What, not what was I thinking, but it was more like I'm surprised. I'm surprised that that I, I don't. I didn't feel like I had more of a sense of questioning when I was in that role at that time. But that was like you know I was like 25, so I was you know a young Don Draper, perhaps. <laughs> Welcome to Sustainababble 159. Welcome yourself all to Sustainababble 159, a splendidly quaffled chipmunk. How in the name that's, of... You've called me that, precisely that before. Yes, well, that's, that's how I think of you. Fine. People say to me, where's your splendidly quaffled chipmunk today? <laughs> and I say, ain't turn up yet, as usual. Welcome. <laughs> we are your friendly little weekly environment podcast, didn't we all? Yes. All about people and the planet and why... Despite everything being nosed, we can have a little chuckle and a thinky about it every now and then, yes? And what are we going to be chuckly thinky about today? We are going to be talking about advertising. Mm. Now, you may have noticed, I'm sure you've noticed, Babble listeners, uh, that Friday the 29th, two days ago, was Black Friday. Yuck. Yeah, that's when all the Babble army queue up outside, I don't know, curries, is curry still a thing? And fight each other for a massive TV uh, and a new washing machine and everything else. That miraculously has been cut to half the price that it was only three days ago when actually it was double the price it was three days before that. And they do that because they're told it's good for them, because they're told they want it and because they have been advertised at, yes? Yes, by people like our guests, or at least formally by people like our guests. We're talking this week to a guy called Jonathan Wise. Who, wise by name. Wise by name, very wise by nature. And by his own description, is a sort of recovering ad man. Used to be in the ad industry, was very, very good at what he did. Sold lots of stuff to lots of people. Um, and sort of had a bit of a change and a kind of, oh God, climate change, maybe what I'm doing is not great moment uh, but it's much more interesting than that and we yeah this is our chat to him yeah and we talk about get under the surface of that a bit so like his experience he went and lived in the woods by himself weirdo weirdo but he smelled funny didn't ask him that um, <laughs> but like how do you find if, if you're getting rid of the meaning that is given to you by products where do you get other meaning from where is meaning? How do we find any sense in this godless, pointless universe? Yeah, all right, all right. Let's, <laughs> I mean, we get to that sort of point, but don't, you know... But you, don't worry. in shade, Dave, light in shade. It is a very upbeat, very positive, very helpful episode, what I loved. Yes, I loved it too, uh, and it's, yes, it is very, very hopeful, actually, despite it all. Now, Jonathan has set up a thing called the Comms Lab. It's like a consultancy. It goes and tells other ad agencies how to start thinking about all of this stuff and maybe demand their clients are a little bit less you bastardy. know bastardy oily that sort of thing uh so do go and check him out uh, check out the comms lab and um yeah get involved so just before any of that i'll just the usual disclaimer which this week is going to be done in the style of the terms and conditions at the end of an advert so just say Excellent. terms and conditions do apply and um, the value of your babble may go up as well as down and, and minimum 12-year contracts and do not hesitate to contact us if anything we say annoys you because probably uh, it's not the fault of anyone for whom we work it's just us yes decent season apply
So hello, Jonathan. <laughs> hello, Ollie. Hello, Dave. Hello. Hello. Thank you very much for coming in here into our hot room. My pleasure. To talk about yourself and all of the things you think. <laughs> yes? <laughs> what, a, what a lovely experience for you, Dave. <laughs> so tell us a bit about your story. So you used to be Don Draper and now you're not anymore. Yes? I, wa- I was Don Draper. No, I wasn't Don Draper. Um, <laughs> who's Don Draper? Uh, who's Don Draper? Uh, uh, Don, Don Draper is the central character in a American TV show called Mad Men, um, which is the story over a number of series of uh, Don and his um, escapades as the creative director of an American New York-based advertising executive and what he got up to, good and bad. It means that you've already tried your plan and you're number four. You've enlisted my expertise and you've rejected it to go on the way you've been going. I'm not interested in that. You can understand. So everybody now thinks everybody in advertising is exactly like Don Draper. But when you walked in here... Don Draper, I thought. Well, I'm yeah. about, so he's, a, he's, a, he's a handsome man. So <laughs> that's, very, that's very kind of you. Um, so, yes, so that was back in the 60s when uh, that started. Um, but I was in the advertising um, in the sort of 2000s and onwards. So that was a, a slightly different era. Um, less, less cigarettes and uh, uh, martinis in the mid-afternoon. None of that, I'm afraid. Shame. Shame, exactly. And none of the sharp suits as well. Uh, well, yeah, some suits, but not, that, well, uh, not, as, uh, not as sharp as, as Don. So, yes. What sort of stuff were you doing? Um, so when I was in advertising, uh, my job was what's called a strategist. Um, and uh, my role was uh, basically what can we say about the brand um, in order to sell more of it or to justify charging more? So basically, um, what I had to do, uh, or it was basically kind of, who are we trying to target? Um, so who's the audience we're trying to uh, encourage to buy this particular brand? So I worked on things like Smirnoff um, and Dairy Lee uh, and Kit Kat and things like that. So, so what, students then, as your audience? Stu- stu- students, yeah, yeah, drunk people who like confectionery and really like low quality cheese. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, nice fridge action. Uh, yeah, so students. Um, uh, and so, yeah, what do we need to say? Because there's lots of things you could say about, you know, Smirnoff. Uh, it's Russian, it's clear, it gets you drunk or whatever. Um, so what is the thing, the one thing we need to say or can say about that brand that uh, encourages the people we're talking to to um, buy more of it? Get loads of sex. You can't say that, actually. Can't you? Un- unexpectedly. I mean, you can mildly imply it. You, well, this is the thing. This was this on Smirnoff and on Smirnoff Ice. Um, there's a very, uh, there was a very fine line. Well, not a fine line. There's a line which says when you, when you advertise alcohol, you're not allowed to infer um, social or sexual success. So um, because that would, you know, that's quite socially irresponsible to say that getting really, really drunk is going to get you laid or get you loads of friends, because that probably isn't that true. <laughs> it's not true. Not true at all. <laughs> Be in his mind. Be a mind sticker with a shape he can't forget. Don't you want to have a good shape? The narrative is that, and the feedback loops are in place, that when you do well and you drive growth and you drive sales, which is your job, then the more success um, you um, are seen to have which was a sort of, yeah, which is kind of the narrative of advertising and kind of, I would say, is a sort of proxy for capitalism. Yeah, <laughs> and kind of pay, it doesn't sound like just advertising. Pay, pay structures, you know, yeah. the feedback loops are the more, the, more, the more you drive growth, the more successful you become, um, which was um, lovely at the time. Lo- <laughs> yes. Lots of Derrily, uh, lots of Smirnoff. 
Yeah, we had uh, we lots had lots of Kit Kats, sales records, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, loads of little kids were running around school at the end of school holidays, eating their Dairy Lee Lunchables, oh, well hot done, dogs, mate. well done, lucky tykes. With its milk and cheese, Dairy Lee's a good source of calcium, but it's the taste kids will give anything well, for. I can't wait till tomorrow. Mike, what are we doing? Oh, we're watching you kiss Veronica Jibblethwaite. So when you were doing all this, you know, bigging up Dairy Lee, if that's not a euphemism, did you at any point think to yourself, ah, oh, I don't know if I want people to eat loads of Dairy Lee, really? Yeah, I mean, this was... this. It's really fascinating because when I look back on it, I, I think there were kind of questions about this and the sort of, is it, I don't think morality is not quite the right word because with Dairy Lee, what you were trying to do is it was the school holidays and the mums and kids would have had to spend the whole summer together and then they went back to school and that was quite a separation for the mums and children. So we were trying to convince mums that buying Dairy Lee Lunchables for their kids was a treat and it's sort of a gift of love. Exactly the same as if mum was still there with you. Exactly. Have it's like some a, cheese. Exactly. Well, yeah. but so, what, so what we understood, though, but mums were kind of like wise to this um, because, um, you know, Dairy Lee Lunchables hot dogs is not kind of like the most nutritionally sound product that one might choose to buy for their child. Don't sue us, Dairy Lee. <laughs> <laughs> and so what we came to learn from the advertar- from the research was that, m- that mums would say sorry, and dads, I suppose, as well, if you want, um, uh, primary caregiver, um, that um, they uh, were worried that when little Johnny or little Katie was at school, that they would look at this daily lunch of Wolves hot dogs and choose not to buy it and throw it in the bin. Um, and so why would they spend £1.79 or however much it was on this if that was going to happen? Why didn't they just make them sandwiches? So the problem that the advertising had to solve was that. So the advertising that we created featured little Johnny and little Katie at school eating Dairy Lunchables hot dogs and being not only eating it and enjoying it, but also being really popular, <laughs> which, <laughs> therefore, <laughs> right. which therefore ensured that mum, when she was in the supermarket and considering whether or not she wanted to buy it, the advertising would evoke the idea that not only this would be good, not only because it would be eaten, but it would also increase the popularity of their child in the playground. And sales went up and we broke the sales record. But are you thinking all the way through that, like, oh, this is, this is fine. This, this, is, to- this is totally fine. You, you're, not, you're not going, oh, I feel like a bit of a shit for doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway. No, I mean, maybe I was like a young idiot or young you know just like I wasn't I wasn't my moral sense wasn't evoked and I think within the context of the system and the feedback the narrative was like um we want to try and beat last year's sales record and so the emphasis and the team was on trying to outsmart what we did last year, what the team did it did on it last year. It was very, when I look back on it, I, I'm really surprised that I was less present to that. But um, yeah, I, I think about that quite a lot, actually. I like my, in, what, what was I, what, not what was I thinking, but it was more like, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that that, I, I don't, I didn't feel like I had more of a sense of questioning when I was in that role at that time. But that was like, you know, I was like 25. So I was, you know, a young 
Don Draper, perhaps. Well, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not surprised. And Dave's sitting here pretending he's all like, oh, didn't you notice that this was morally objectionable? Bullshit. Like, oh, the entire, the entire kind of, as you say, the feedback, like, there's this whole company going, this is brilliant. What you're doing in your job is brilliant. Have some more money. And like, if surely, like, you're sitting there as a 25-year-old in the back of your mind going, well, if there was anything inherently wrong with this, someone would say something. But, like... Everyone recognises this is a good career. This is a normal thing to do. I'm yeah. being paid for doing it and I'm being paid well for doing it well and I'm being invited to awards ceremonies. Like, I don't think it's surprising at all that you didn't think this is a bit iffy. I was getting a bit older, so I was like into my mid-30s and advertising is very cyclical. So whenever there's a downturn, you, they normally get rid of the expensive, more expensive people who are older, nice. which, is, which is where I was heading. Um, I didn't want to get be forced to put out to pasture. So I was like, and, 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 um, and, I, and digital was like becoming the thing. And I just, I, I like didn't have a smartphone. I still don't have a smartphone. <laughs> I can um, verify that, by the way. For anyone who doesn't believe that, Jonathan's turned up with a classic Nokia something or other, yeah. which is a thing of great beauty. Thank I'm you. Very impressed. Thank you. Um, so, so I was like, okay, what am I going to do next? Um, what does my career look like, kind of career 2.0? And so um, one of the things I did was I went and did a master's um, in sustainability and responsibility at Ashridge Business School. What, um, was, what was that connection? I'm really interested in this. So you, you were doing a thing. Yeah. That wasn't about sustainability. No. And then you decided, right, I'm not doing that thing anymore. Now I'm going to go and learn about sustainability. But, but did you have a light bulb moment no. where you were like, shit, this is bad? Or- no, I don't think I did. I really, I really, for the point of the stories, <laughs> the story, I really wish I had like, you know, like I think Hollywood's got a lot to answer for and it's kind of like, you know, the light bulb epiphany moment. But I think, you know, change is difficult and change is hard. And it's, sometimes it's, a, it's just lots of little things. Um, I think that was certainly the case uh, for me. Um, yeah, I, I think it was more, I felt I'd done quite well in my career. I wanted to go and do something else. I thought sustainability was going to be a thing because I read a little bit here and there. And it was just something that felt right. I wasn't really kind of being too rational about it. And um and I thought, actually, what would happen would be I'd be on the money that I was on now. I would then go and do a master's in sustainability. I would then get a job at maybe at Unilever or a client side on more money, kind of, you know, working on kind of, I don't know, Dove or something like that. So I was thinking very much like from a narrative of it's about me. It's about my success. I'm using this. I'm paying to do this master's as a way to gain more career points and, and grow my salary. That was like the logic, but unfortunately the plans don't always work out. <laughs> and so, um, and, and when I did the master's program, what was so present to me was the, it really opened up my awareness of um, the consequences of my work in advertising. So the way I, that was beautifully described by um, Jane Ridderford, who runs Global Generation here in, in London, in King's Cross. And she talked about it in the context of I, we, I, we planet. So imagine three concentric circles, I in the centre, we, the second one out, and then, and then the planet. And suddenly what, what was, I felt was really interesting was that within the context of the work I've been doing up until then, the planetary boundary piece had been completely absent from 
all of the conversations that I'd ever been part of. So when you think about what success looks like, it's always what's the return on investment and how much money we're we making from advertising, which is all growth is good, but never thinking about the downsides of that, which were the planetary consequences. So yeah, it was like this sort of door of awareness kind of opened up, you know, like, you know, like the Truman Show at the end, <laughs> you know, or, or the Matrix. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill, the story ends. Yeah, these films, I think, were very analogous, and I really drew, were drawn to those kind of films where the characters' awareness opens up that the reality that they've been part of is actually not the truth. Yeah, and so it really left me in this quandary because up until that point, basically everybody been saying, Jonathan, you're doing really well, you're a really good person. And then suddenly I was, like, questioning am I a good person or actually a bad person? Because if I had a choice, would I actually be destroying the planet or would I, or not? And it was very, compli it was very complicated uh, and very, the tension was very, um, very, very present. There were tears. <laughs> did you talk to anyone about that? Oh, endlessly. And, and down <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I was so boring. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. He's coming over. He's coming over. Look busy. Look busy. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to bang yeah. on about the planet again. <laughs> Get a haircut, hippie. Um, so you come over so peculiar that you buggered off and lived in the woods. Yeah, like a hermit. I did for uh, for a month. Was it? I did. Yeah. 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 So that, so this is like. Oh my God, what the hell is going on? Who am I? Like, ah. And uh, one of the things that really struck home was there's a quote um, by a guy called Gregory Bateson. Um, and he said, uh, the major problems in the world are a result of the difference between the way nature works and the way man thinks. And I was really aware that the way, the way man thinks was such that we were killing the planet, um, the myth of endless growth. And so what would it be more like if I was going to hang out um, how would I learn more about how the na way nature works? So, yeah, I kind of spent a month um, living in the woods uh, in, on the Isle of Skye. And then actually I spent a couple of months um, with a Maori community in New Zealand um, with an elder, actually, um, because the foundation story of Maori culture, like most indigenous tribes, is, um, is much more closely aligned to the way nature works than our, our one. So, yeah, but living in the woods, that was pretty, it was a pretty, uh, it was a pretty uh, profound experience. Yeah, it was amazing. So, and you're not just saying that because you have to like explain to people why you buggered off for a month. Like, it actually, it changed the way you think about stuff. Definitely, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's, it's the thing that was most powerful was um, so the fire, right? So, you, like, it's in Scotland, it's on Sky, it's September, and it's on like the Atlantic coast, right? So that is wet and it's windy. And um, you and so you need a lot of wood <laughs> to keep the fire. And then what happened was because I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, and you're going to go and take food in for 25 days or whatever. So or um, and so I took in rather than taking muesli, which is what I should have taken in for breakfast. I took in porridge, which is what I shouldn't have taken in for breakfast. But that meant that basically when you wake up in the morning, that the fire you need to fight light the fire. And I'm not brilliant at lighting fires. You think I might be. A, Brilliant, but I'm not. After anyway, so meant you had to leave the keep the fire going overnight, so that when you wake up, you could then cook breakfast. Because wow. porridge needs yeah, to be hot, yeah. obviously. Um, and so what happened was that I just ended up the fire, like I ended up like like it was like my baby. 
because I had to kind of keep it alive. Give it dairy leaders, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had, yeah, I had to, like, it's like I had to go to keep it. So I'd wake, train myself to wake up like two or three times a night to keep it going. And I kind of came this, it was really, it was like there's a symbiotic relationship where I am keeping the fire alive, but also the fire is keeping me alive. Because if I haven't got hot water, I haven't got clean, hot, hot, I haven't got fire, I haven't got clean water, I can't eat and I'm not going to be warm. And so this sort of the profundity of the the sheer reliance on myself in that moment on nature um and i and it's six hours a day kind of collecting wood chopping wood drying wood all that sort of stuff so our society is brilliant because it's protected us from the 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 brutality of nature and how and, and that but in doing that it's also enabled us to kind of forget or be protected from the truth that we're entirely dependent on nature for our own survival So is everyone who's still working in advertising evil? Are all your, all your colleagues sitting there, former colleagues, sitting there getting filthy rich yeah. in the full knowledge that what they're doing is hastening the climate apocalypse and they don't care? Uh, that is... <laughs> Uh, no, I think that's a bit... <laughs> Didn't see that what? one coming. <laughs> da, da, da. I, get um, that. I mean, it's obviously a stupid question, but... Uh, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, <laughs> yeah. So, so what... But, I mean, clearly the issues that, that concern you and concern everyone on this podcast and who listen to this podcast are getting worse and are getting, more to the point, much more widely known. So, so what are those people in those industries doing now? How are they feeling? And... and, and it, is there any excuse for continuing to sell crap to people who can't afford it that they don't need and that kills the planet? Yeah, I mean that's I mean that's a pretty brutal, <laughs> a pretty brutal um, explanation. But I think is one that is um, increasingly present for more people um, in advertising and kind of marketing communications in general. And I think that what we've been trying to do um, in the comms lab and um, uh, other p- things I'm part of is trying to raise exactly what you said to kind of more kind of con- more consciousness, but not in the same way that you've done it. So I'll, I'll explain. I'm, I'm, I'm available to you mean be wheeled out at, yeah. at, at conferences if yeah. you want. So I'm not inviting you to one of my things saying well, that. You know. <laughs> but anyway, um, couldn't afford me. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the so, so what seems to be really interesting uh with the work that we've been doing is 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 when you give people the climate facts right so you you kind of go this is catastrophically bad um and in this in the room right so we have someone come in and do it do like a presentation and then people just get to and, and advertising is connected to that for the things i've been mentioning and then and then you just kind of give people permission to express how they feel and then because humans are good and they have feelings, then, um, you know, a lot of the stuff, when they think about it in private and they're given permission, you know, there's, a, there's guilt, there's shame, there's fear, there's panic. There's all these emotions. And I think what's interesting is that, that, that then what we do is like to consider, well, what, 
what's more important here and what's, what do you want to be in service to and what are the tensions? Because I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right, Ollie. I think, I think that that sitting in, it's, it's maybe in the unconscious and, and coming to the conscious with Greta and Extinction Rebellion. And what we're trying to do is just provide the spaces for people to kind of go, you know, to, yeah, the permission is a big word to kind of go, yes, this is, this is present for me. And there are other people in the room in the pub upstairs or in this in this in this space which also um think and feel more importantly feel the same yeah and is what you want to do make advertising a force for good or get rid of it what's the distinction so advertising in my experience is amazing right because it 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 helps shape the society's values, attitudes, and beliefs, right? It's very, very good at that. Um, and at the moment, I would say that quite a lot of that is directed towards unsustainable attitudes, values, and behaviors. So what happens if you were to be able to swing the firepower and the creative and strategic smarts of all those people towards promoting sustainable attitudes and values and behaviors? Like, w- wouldn't that be amazing <laughs> if that were possible? Um, so that's kind of like the fundamental kind of question. But to your point about can advertising be a force for good, I think within that, it's a two-sided thing. It's like it needs to consider it to be not only a force for good, but also to do less bad. And because those are two sides of the same coin. And so I think the edge kind of conversation that's going to be coming forward is basically like what shouldn't we be working on? Right. And so back to the thing around like where are the tensions? So should I be working on fossil fuel? And so the tension is, do we want to take the money and drive growth as a company and all the, the systems and feedback loops that that's a good thing from a shareholder value perspective versus what the mothers and the fathers and the uncles and the aunts that are expected to work on those brands and what do they, what's the future do they want to create? And that tension of like, what do we in our totality as a company want to do together, I think, and do we want to do just more good or do we want to do less harm, I think is a, is a central question that sits at advertising and I think has the potential to kind of like be a, a question that we all need, that you can take into consumer culture. Do you want to take that EasyJet flight, knowing that you'll have a great holiday in Prague for the weekend, but also in the presence that as a, as a parent or a grandparent, um, you're having that, that CO2 emission will be like a negative impact on your grandchildren. That's like a question I think is really, so you're giving the problem to the individual and you're encouraging their maturity and their wisdom uh, and thinking longer term than their short term needs. Um, I think that's a really, that's what I think is interesting. I think the money that I've got, that's mine. And I, I want to keep all of that. And I'm really struck by the idea that you're talking about advertising and about how to not, you know, how to change individuals and how they think about themselves in relation to the world. And then from that change their institutions and from that the institutions will change and that will tell stories that changes how everyone thinks, right? That's the model. Yeah. Nice. And that (laughs) strikes me that applies more broadly than that. But how, you know, that applies to anyone who works anywhere. To a lesser extent, or anyone who goes anywhere or goes to the pub and talks about stuff. Yeah. So how do you, where do people find that courage from in a world where we're told that money is really, really important? What are your top tips to people listening to this if they're going to go and 
change where they work or where they study? What should I do first? Yeah, I think I, th- I was having this conversation with um, uh, uh, somebody who came on our uh, leadership program, and she's like, like, where do I go on holiday? You know, so she's like, we, we, they're not going to fly anymore, right? So they do a really early booking down to Avignon on Eurostar and then get a car across to, to Italy as a family, right? So like they've chosen not to, not to fly, but they've used their creativity and their book planning ahead to have a great holiday that costs less or costs the same. And then when it comes to Christmas, it's like, well, what do we do for Christmas? Because the kids want loads of presents under the tree because it's a really joyful thing. And then the question is, is that actually what the kids want? Mm. You know, you think that that's what they want, but they're already saying they want less presents. So maybe... Dairy Lee, that's Dairy right. Lee, they want Dairy Lee. Hopefully not Smirnoff yet. Um, <laughs> but so, yeah, it's like, I think it's just, into, it's like, what, like, what, like, what do we want? I think it's, just, it's, it's like no more complicated than that yeah. in terms of if we have an awareness of the, rea- the environmental reality and we feel that and we feel the panic and we feel the fear and, we, and, 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 and to maybe the guilt, it's like, like what are the choices we want to make out of that? That's what that would, what's I would advise. And I think, that's such a, I think that's such a mature thing to do because if you're not, if you're being told what to do and accepting that it's all about growth and I think you're, in a way, it's like you're being treated like a child because you're not being invited into the more mature conversation, which is like, okay, you can do the growth thing, but the consequences of that are these negative things. If you're not aware of the consequences, you're not, that's not in the conversation. I don't think that, I think that's quite, you're, you're kind of like allowing yourself to be a childish because it's not present to all that is happening. Yeah. I, I hear you. Like, you know, you're talking yeah. about essentially acts of small courage. Right. Like just just ask yourself whether you want to do this. But these stories are so powerful in our culture. Right. So they're everywhere. But I think that's you know, there's lots written about like the power of story. And, you know, the you know, it's like, you know, the ecclesiastical elite kind of owned <laughs> owned meaning up until Gutenberg invented the printing press. And then you could write these novels and then people were like. Oh my God! Like there's, there's other like stuff going on, and there's other there's other stories, and there are other things. Like you know, it's that sort of idea that you can give people things to to awaken their own kind of like consciousness to something else being available. There's that Goethe quote, which is quite depressing. Um, what is it? No, none are more hopelessly enslaved than those that falsely believe that they are free. And I think that that's basically in a way where we're at because we think we're bunny is free because we get to choose to vote in an election um, and choose whether or not we want to buy Nike or Adidas, right? We're not free as to whether or not we want to participate in a system that is having a negative impact on the planet rather than being serviced to one that is having a positive impact. And that like lack of freedom thing, I think is really interesting. But to your, your meaning thing, I'm, I'm sorry, your story thing, I, it's like, what, what's the, what's there a story to replace consumerism? Yeah that allows us to become more sustainable? That, to me, is like a really interesting question. Milk! Ugh! Swaddy and Rush drinks. Ian Rush. Yeah, and he said, if I didn't drink lots of milk, when I grow up, won't it be good enough to play for Accrington Stanley? Accrington Stanley? Who are they? Exactly. Now, What you're saying is, if you want to be happy or look like this person, you know, if you want to be pretty or slim or beautiful or popular or or just successful or rich whatever buy this product because this rich person or this beautiful person you know is clearly part of that product story and you can have a little taste of that and then you buy the product and you you're still not happy or 
beautiful so the story you tell yourself is <laughs> more product more well just yeah. one more of those yeah. yeah one more of those one more of those and i'll get there and that's the genius of it is that obviously you know it's a mirage in the uh, on the horizon you never get there but you still keep trying if what advertising turns itself to is just spend less money on crap spend more time with your family you know invest in meaningful relationships engage in your community kind of nurture yourself not going to be much of a role for advertising after a while is there i mean what what's going to be left i'd just like to say that is the best question you have ever asked <laughs> any episode of any podcast i've been on with you i like it i'm not going to edit that one at all <laughs> <laughs> that one actually stays in yeah congratulations and, Charlie. congratulations and, and for the record that isn't the first question i've asked in his interview just in case you have snipped out all the other ones <laughs> Do you mind me asking why? I'll tell you why, because it's balls, that's why. It's complete balls. And this is, and that's a, and it is a brilliant question, because it, it, it's like, it's back to like, what are we all going to do? Yeah, if you've got all these people that are brilliant at kind of creating the ideas that define how we, what we value and what is meaningful, then... Does, what does that mean for advertising? Do they end up staying in advertising agencies that are around growth for capitalism? Or is it possible to create different kind of organisations um, that they can be part of that can help drive sustainable attitudes and behaviours? Like the people are there. The question is like, how are they deployed? <laughs> and what do they do with those skills? Because those skills are so valuable, but you're absolutely right. Do they do that within the context of an advertising industry um, or not, and where do they go if that's not the case? And this is like, you know, this is the edge of the change that is necessary and needed if we're going to choose. You know, and one of the questions we're asking at the moment is like, um, uh, you know, how can the advertising industry help limit global warming to 1.5 degrees by 2030? Um, and it's like people you, people sign up to that because it's like a really wonderful ambition and it's like so what do, so what do we do and what does that mean i think exactly the question you've asked is will we part will be part of that because how much consumerism and advertising will there be in a 1.5 degree world yeah how much stuff will there be or will it will it be different because it'll be circular economy you know it'll be brands as service brands rather than purchasing brands etc etc et so there's going to be, be a role to get people to shift from their perception of buy it and throw it away to buy it and replace it and recycle it that's that needs communications so there was always going to be a role for that that kind of those sort of skills absolutely yeah but whether that's in the context of an existing advertising agency driven driving growth is a is a different is a different question yeah home of vorsprung durch technik Progress. This is the thing, right? Can't stop progress. Can't stop progress, Jonathan. People, you know, you can't put things back in the box. Can't go live in the woods. It's all very well for you. Can't go live in the woods. People want stuff. People want things. That's progress. They want more shiny things. They want iPhones. You're weird with your Nokia. People like iPhones. People like Dairy Lee. You get Dairy Lee in a tube now, I've seen. It's crazy. You know, all sorts of stuff with it, right? So do we need to tackle fundamentally this idea of, like, progress being about more and better stuff and i i guess i really want to believe that the way to do this is is a, a ripple effect of personal enlightenments where everyone just wakes up and they go oh god i'm not as nice as i thought i was but 
some of the some of the logic of some of these stories are so powerful. Can we can we change our understanding of progress? Do you think? Yeah, of course. I, I, I think. I mean, it's a you know, it's a. Can we change the story? Yes. How do we change the story? Is a much more difficult question. So, 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 can, so my understanding is that is that what is seen as progress over time has been different in different cultures and in different civilizations, right? So if we're sitting here in ancient Egypt, then progress is being a pharaoh and having loads of slaves and building a big pyramid. If I'm sitting in, you know, a Benedictine chapel in the 13th century, then progress is, you know, being closer to God and going up the hierarchy. None of that is involving you know, more iPhones. So we, like we, as species, it's like the, you know, Sapiens in Harare book, you know, we, we, we congregate around ideas that give meaning to our lives. And at the moment, we just happen to be in, an, in a meaning idea, as I would call the myth of endless growth, which involves us having more and more iPhones and better and better iPhones, as you've just articulated. So can we move to a different story? Then absolutely. I think that's, that's, proven through history and so it can be done again so i think it's i think that's that's really that's really refreshing <laughs> and indeed the we like very aware that we are sitting in you know relatively well-off people sitting in a small country off the coast of europe there's all vast amounts of people in the world don't think like that already, yeah of course right? you've got to be very careful of going like well this is definitely how things are well, it's not, yeah like, exactly you know. that kind of oh it's human nature isn't it it's like mm, yeah well not for a lot of humans it isn't not for an eskimo um yeah <laughs> Um, and then I think you go, well, what, you know, can we change? So, yes, we've changed in the past. Can we change again? Yes. And then the question is, like, what, how would that happen? And I, and I, and I, and I, I've been doing the thinking with this guy, Paddy Lyman, and, and the idea is, can we, can we, if meaning at the moment comes from the purchase of brands, right? So we buy brands. And there's this great quote that somebody said to me, which was, um, um, every time you buy a brand, you're subcontracting part of your identity. Oh, I love that. It's really, it's really. <laughs> yeah. So when I, when yeah. I heard that, I was like working in advertising, doing my Don Draper thing and not Don Draper. I was buying like Paul Smith suits, right? Because Paul Smith is a advertising, he's a creative guy. And I wanted to be seen as a creative guy so I was buying brands that were for creative guys right and then this quote every time you buy a brand you're subcontracting part of your identity I was wearing Paul Smith and I was realizing those of other people in the creative business were all wearing Paul Smith as well so effectively we were conformist <laughs> and not being creative because if I was being created I'd be wearing a dress or whatever you know I'd be more Grace and Perry than Don Draper um, and so I think that the moment we get meaning through brands and the thing that I'm noticing, and I think XR and Fridays for the Future, is this emergent idea that meaning is coming from how we choose to respond to the climate emergency. The struggle is a really interesting idea, and there's so much meaning to come from struggle personally. And I think that's, I think that's a really fascinating possibility that we can transition out of consumerism into something else. And the very thing we're trying to address, which is the climate crisis, is the thing that replaces consumerism as a central idea of meaning in our lives and our society. I give you money, you give me ideas. And you never say thank you. That's what the money is for. Jonathan, thank you so much for coming to talk to us. that was brilliant. I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah, I learned um, some stuff. I learned some stuff and I feel more positive about 
why we do what we do. Uh, not this podcast. I mean, I don't know why we do this, but like, why are we all, you know, are engaging in this struggle? As you put it, like, it's it's much more hopeful than I ever conceived of it before. So, thank you. If people want to uh, get in touch with you or follow what you're doing, what's the best way to do that? Uh, Twitter is Jonathan M Wise, and then um, Comslab is www.comslab.com. that is just about it for this week's Babble. Thank you very, 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 very much to Jonathan yes. for for that, basically. Yeah, well, uh, I, feel, I feel inspired and enlivened. Yeah. And wise. And wise. One of those interviews where you're sitting there thinking, yeah. Right on. Yeah. Preach, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, he was fab. So, yeah, thanks very much, Jonathan. Do check out uh, what he's written. He's done little books about his conversion. It's all very good. Um, so, uh, thank you very much to the wonderful Dickie Moore for the music that starts, ends, and twinkles this podcast. To the legendary Arthur Stovall for the T-shirts, which if you want to find them by yourself, and I will not be advertising them no, to you, but if you no. want to have the babble on your chest, then you can do so by going to our website, wobbly-wobbly-wobbly-wobbly.sustainababble.fish slash something. Can't remember. <laughs> T-shirts are on. You'll find them. You'll find them. If you want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email at hello at sustainababble.fish. Hello. <laughs> hello. Uh, you can tweet us at the Babble Wagon, or you can just search for Sustainababble on Facebook. Right. Very good. And give us some money. Go oh, to Patreon. Yeah. Give yeah. us some money. www.patreon.com forward slash sustainababble. And then whatever number you're thinking of, put some more zeros on it. Yes. Uh, and just keep keep donating. Rather late in the day for this episode, you kind of come over all Black Friday about things. <laughs> which I'm disappointed. I feel like you haven't absorbed anything Jonathan has told you. I love money. More of it. <laughs> Very good. You can add you can add meaning to your life through chucking a couple of quid at your babble so that we can buy shit we don't need and speak into it. Um, right. Back next week then, I guess, is it? Absolutely. Very good. Bye! Bye.